0: You know kind of early in the pandemic i felt like i'm not doing anything useful like i wanted to become a doctor so that i could do something useful and help people and greg and i considered going to mexico and volunteering with a clinic there that would take um, medical students um because we just wanted to be able to help and use the skills that we do have
1: All right, good morning and welcome back uh, everyone to The Current here at Toro University, California. If you are joining us again, thanks so much for listening. If you are joining us for the first time, uh, what a a show you picked for your first time. I've got not one, but two really special guests. Um, Ordinarily, the alumni I talk to on The Current, uh, Bill, by the way, your host, uh, you should know that by now. Normally, they've been out in the world for a while, but uh, we have a couple of very recent alumni. They still have that new alumni smell, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they graduated just a couple of weeks ago, but they have some really good insight that I wanted to get at today. Um, first is uh, Dr. Zoe Layman. Zoe, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: No problem. I'm excited to be here. <laughs>
1: And uh, our other guest, uh, Dr. Greg Wyant. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. It would have been just a couple of short weeks ago. I would have had to call him student doctor, but no longer. Um, (laughs) Never again. So
2: like we said, (laughs) you
1: you graduated just a a couple of weeks ago. So that means just a few weeks before that, you guys had a chance to take part in one of uh, the College of Osteopathic Medicine's favorite days every year, which is Match Day. Um, and for people that don't know what match day is, uh, it's a little bit like tender, I guess, uh, sort of <laughs> swipe left, swipe right. Um, the, the, the students, uh, get, you know, sort of a choice of different places that they would like to serve their residency. Um, and then the hospitals do the same and hopefully they match up, um, and then people get what they want. Um, so, uh, I guess we can start with Zoe and then go to Greg. Um, could you tell us just sort of the anticipation leading up to match day and then what that experience was like when you're like, oh, okay, now I finally know what I'm going to be doing.
0: <laughs> um, well, it was pretty stressful because you submit this long rank list and you might match it your first choice and you might match it your like 15th choice. And once you match, it's a binding contract. And so... Um, you can't really like swap out with somebody else if you decided like to go somewhere different. Um, so I would say the weeks between submitting the rank list and match day were kind of like, I really felt like I was on um, pins and needles or in Yiddish you can say on spilkas, which means like on little sharp points
2: because
0: right, right. Um, you're just waiting to find out where you're going to be living and what program you're going to be going to for the next three to eight years of your life. Um, and so I was pretty stressed about it coming up to match day, but match day itself was pretty exciting. Right.
2: Um, Greg, feel free to chime yeah. in whenever. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I have to agree. It was a very, very stressful time between like the last day to submit our match our rank orders. And when we find out where we match, um because we just we spent all of these years and all this time interviewing and just like putting ourselves out there trying to like make ourselves look really great but also authentic and just kind of hope Mm. people like it and Mm. (laughs) you're just like you have this anticipation of like did they like me the way that i like them like is it Mm -hmm. a good match and then the day comes and it's finally all over and hopefully it's good news and (laughs) for zoe and i it was good news
1: well, you, you'd mentioned something that I want to really get into um, quite a bit because uh, you, you both graduated medical school, um, as difficult as it might have been, um, in the middle of a pandemic. The the Just again, for people that don't understand how these things work, the medical students come in, they usually spend... Um, Uh, They've got fancy words for it that I won't bother you with. But it's basically they spend two years in the classroom and then two years kind of in the lab, if you will, um, out in, uh, you know, hospitals or whatever as medical students. Um, Where where were you guys in the process of that when, um, you know, COVID really became like a thing and not just like, oh, there's a new thing in China that looks like a problem? But like when it was like, oh, we're shutting everything down now, get off this campus, <laughs> you know, um, sort everything out. What What was where were you in that process and, and what were some of the initial things that we, you know, you must have been thinking, are we going to be able to finish now? Or like, what's this going to look like? And how did that all evolve for you?
0: Both of us were kind of close to the end of our third year of rotation. So we had been in one hospital and hospital system rotating through all the different departments for almost the whole year. Um, And I was about to start my very last rotation of my third year, um, which was a surgical rotation, when we were told that med students were not going to be coming into the hospital anymore. Um, And I think I I was somewhat relieved because (laughs) I was a little nervous about the surgery rotation, but I also was And I think we all were very concerned that this might mean that we were going to have to take an extra year of medical school. And in addition to that really changing our timelines for all the things, it's also a financial concern in terms of the loans and what's happening with that. And so there's just like an intense amount of uncertainty um, around our class and what was going to happen for us.
2: Yeah, I definitely did some panicking when we first Mm -hmm. got we first we got an email at first that said, for the next two weeks students are not going to be allowed to go into clinic and then it kind of just kept getting extended (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I was also at the end of the third year and I had already used my cd blocks which are kind of like elective blocks that you can spend like learning medical Spanish or like whatever you want and I, I I and I had already used mine so I couldn't like use this time to do you know i had to use this time to finish my core rotation so i was really freaking out thinking like how how is this going to happen without like going into my fourth year and then mm-hmm. i didn't really know what fourth year was going to look like exactly mm-hmm. yet so i was like is this is graduation going to happen like what mm-hmm. how how are we going to make this work in a way that like and also on top of that we were missing Important clinical time. I was like, are we going to be right. like the least prepared right. physicians to ever right. graduate <laughs> medical school?
1: Yeah. Right. What I think that brings up a great point of, you know, at some point you have to, um, there's a certain hands on element that goes into medical school or so many of our programs at Toro um, that different program directors had to sort of scramble to figure out well, how do you do uh, OMM and how do you do all these other things that require Mm -hmm. you to, you know, be in a clinical setting with people? Um, Especially early on when people didn't really understand, like, how contagious is this thing or how, you know, bad is it? Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at somebody, will you get it? Like, (laughs) um, you know, they had no idea what was happening, really. Um, how, How did you... How did they get around that? You know, sort of, you've got to deal with it in some kind of way. What did you guys do with that?
0: Well, i say, first of all, huge props and shout outs to Dr. Hendricks, who, like, literally overnight developed a, like, comprehensive online curriculum package for every single one of the core electives so that her entire class of, like, 140-ish Panicking third years had something to do. Um, So that was an incredible asset um, and meant that we could really continue to move forward with our education in some way, even if we couldn't be in the hospital. So it was a great kind of stopgap measure, which I think really got a lot of us through the first couple of months of the pandemic.
1: Um,
0: So I really appreciate all of the work that you put into that.
1: Yeah, I have to say, before we get to, to Greg here in a second, I have to say, if you have a yearning to be punched in the face, come to our campus and say something bad about Dr. De Hendricks and <laughs> there will be a line of oh, people true. happy to sock you right in your eyeball. Like, oh, yeah. you First can't, yeah, she is yes. a, a beloved figure to say the least um, and right mm-hmm. she's yeah. awesome. Um, but great and, go ahead please yeah
2: she she really is incredible and the fact that she was just able to have those online and published with all of these resources and like detailed schedules of what all we needed to complete so quickly was truly amazing and also like reassuring to us we we're like okay we mm-hmm. can we can actually learn from home um because there were things like there were like virtual patient interactions or you have to go through a case scenario and you're we were required to do a whole bunch of those. So although it was not the same as being in a clinic or in a hospital, I think that it was, you know, as close as we
1: could get to right. that experience. Right. Now um, I know the the sort of old expression, that which does not kill you makes you stronger. I always think it's uh, that which doesn't kill you leaves you severely injured. Um, But but at any rate, um, I'm sure, like like you mentioned, you you had this concern that's like, oh, do we even know what we're doing basically now because we've missed Mm -hmm. this important element. Now that you have gone through that process and um, I think just the general panic sort of subside overall after a few months of the pandemic being here. You, you must have that feeling like, Oh, I got this. Like, this is um, like, I can handle anything now. Like I was a medical student in a pandemic. Like I, I can, I've got this unlocked now. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: I wish it had imbued me with that sense of confidence. That was yeah. I, think. I think, I mean, I, I think truly there probably is part of our education that is a little bit missing. And, um, I think a lot of residency programs are aware of that and have been reaching out to residents about what rotations do you miss or what didn't you get to do in person that you might need to do to gain that experience. Um, I think we all became very good at Zoom. We right. <laughs> learned how to Zoom really well. Right. Um, I also, I know this isn't quite what you asked, but I think it it was an interesting moment when the AMC came out and said that it wasn't safe for medical students to be in the hospital in that moment. And there was kind of a lot of like back and forth about whether that was an appropriate response or not. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of early in the pandemic, I felt like I'm not doing anything useful. Like I wanted to become a doctor so that I could do something useful and help people. And Greg and I considered going to Mexico and volunteering with a clinic there that would take um, medical students. Um, because we just wanted to be able to help and use the Mm. skills that we do have. Um, and also I think it's an important landmark in prioritizing medical student safety and wellness in a moment where people were saying like, we really don't know what's going on with this. And there's no need for you to put your life and body and family on the line for, for, Um, the sake of like doing something and in that way i think it was one of the first times that really institutionally people have said like as medical students you're not disposable which is something that kind of happens a lot with med students and residents. is like um as part of your training you're kind of the the easiest to dispatch kind of a person um and so i do think there was like a really interesting balance between feeling protected and feeling grateful that we weren't being asked to do that although some residents um definitely were without adequate protection um but as medical students we weren't really at being asked to do that early in the pandemic um and also kind of a feeling that like we weren't being as helpful as maybe we wanted to feel that we were
2: yeah for sure there was a lot of inner conflict of Mm -hmm. we really like this is why we're here we want to be out there Mm -hmm. helping and doing what we can to you know Help in this pandemic, but also we're not allowed. <laughs> right. And so there was like a small amount of resentment there, but also like a small amount of gratitude, like, oh, mm-hmm. you do value our safety, which is such mm-hmm. an important thing. Right, right. Uh, but going back to your question of like, do we p- feel like extra prepared after <laughs> facing a pandemic or less? <laughs> um, I think a lot of us who were fortunate enough to know what, Specialty we wanted to go into at the beginning of fourth year, we're able to use a lot of our elective time to kind of supplement. Like for example, I missed my third year pediatric and in outpatient family medicine rotations, and I wanted to go to into family medicine. So those are two very important rotations for me. To yeah. get. So I just I was able to make sure that during my fourth year, I could use those electives to. Mm-hmm to do more pediatric and family medicine so that I would be prepared. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And, and again, I just, you know, points out what our students are all about. Our former students, even, um, (laughs) you know, they, the, 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 that's the great thing to me about Toro is the, the compassion that the students share just sort of universally, um, that the big part of the reason they come here is because they want to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, That's what I hear both of you sort of echoing, and that's great. I I have a little bit of a different sort of slant on this question we've been tackling. You at least had the benefit of getting some of your education out of the way before um, chaos set in. Do you think it was more challenging um, to do your fourth year or for first-year students coming in where they – you know, a lot of them still haven't met each other in person. Um, mm-hmm. do, I mean, do you think there's a difference where it's more, I know a lot of people say like, well, your first year is just challenging anyway because it's your first year and it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And um, do you at least have like that perspective of, Ooh, thank God I did this in my fourth year, not my first year. Or or is it worse because you're like, yeah, I really need to be in person and I can't be
0: Um, I think it's that's really difficult to quantify. I I was somewhat feeling sorry for myself in the beginning of the pandemic because we both had boards scheduled that got canceled and rescheduled. We weren't sure when we were going to take them. And, um, it seemed like a very critical time in our training to be in the hospitals and the clinics. And we weren't able to do that. Um, and then I heard about some like kindergartners and first graders who were like having their like, school their first school experience was on zoom and I, I realized that the pandemic wasn't affecting people across the educational spectrum right. um pretty severely and so i mostly felt grateful that like i had the skills and resources to navigate through all of the pandemic things um really? and i'm not sure i'm not sure i could like qualitative qualitatively or quantitatively say it's worse if you're a third year, worse if you're a first year or whatever. I do think part of what was really important to me making it through medical school was my medical school community. Um, and I don't, I think that would have been really hard to establish if you start on zoom and never get to meet people in person.
2: Right. Right. So first, I would definitely
0: think that's a huge loss.
2: Yeah. I, can't imagine having to go into clinical rotations without knowing my peers (laughs) because that's kind of the only way a lot of us got through was like other people are also experiencing is a really difficult thing and Mm. if they are people that you're already close to like they're right there for you and you're then they're happy to listen to you (laughs) like complain or whatever and um if you don't know anybody that's a lot harder so yeah can't imagine being first yeah. Team.
1: Well, I think we're gonna wrap here soon, but I wanted to give you guys an opportunity because I know your residency is starting oh so soon. Um, what What are your sort of hopes, your concerns, your <laughs> your anxiety moments? Like, what 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 is it that's sort of speaking <laughs> out in your head about your residency starting? <laughs> i'm just
2: like man i hope all of this medical information that i <laughs> learned somehow comes back to me because i feel <laughs> like it's pouring out of my head as we speak Right. <laughs>
0: yeah i feel like also there's a fair amount of anxiety around like are we prepared do we know the things right. we're supposed to do um or know the things we're supposed to know um i I'm excited to meet my co-residents and the residents in the classes above me. I'm super psyched to see patients again. It's one of my favorite things. Right. Um, so I'm excited about those aspects, definitely nervous about the like incoming intern not knowing any of the things <laughs> part
1: right. of it. Yeah, I think I'm definitely in Greg's camp. Um, I feel like I would be, you know, hey, can you take this pulse and be like, the what now? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, oh, let me, let me go look this up real quick. The yes. Pulse, you say? Um, yes. Yeah, you that's what that? I feel like. I, I feel like I'd be <laughs> that that kind of you know anxiety ridden person. Yeah. You know, even yes. if I was like you know top in my class. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. It's just oh, this is not going to go good. I don't know any of it. Um, right. So anyway, um, I I wanted to thank you both for for joining me today. Uh, normally, this is the time where I try to. Uh, allow people to sort of connect with the guests if they want to on uh, social media. But don't! These guys are going to be busy for the next four years. <laughs> they, they're going to need every single moment of opportunity they have to sleep. So <laughs> so leave them alone. <laughs> uh, so uh, for for each of you, uh, please do uh, enjoy Seattle. Take an umbrella, of course. Um, enjoy San Diego. Take sunscreen, of course. Uh, <laughs> And, um, I, I love San Diego. It's, it's kind of like LA plus San Francisco, you know, like it's kind mm-hmm. of this cool vibey, mm-hmm. but the, with the Southern California without all the extra, you know, stuff that LA comes with. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, um, so, so I, I wish you both, uh, the best of luck. I really appreciate you joining me here on The Currents. Um, if you do have a need to connect on social media, you can always connect with uh, the Alumni Association, with the school in general on Instagram and Facebook, and if you're old, um, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or Twitter or uh, whatever else, uh, LinkedIn. Or TikTok? Yeah, just, yeah. It, well, I think we're working on TikTok, as a matter of fact. I love it. Um, we, we need to recruit a couple of teenagers to come help us. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah the, so so you can look us up there and uh if you're looking for more episodes of the current you can find them on apple spotify uh google amazon wherever else um so dr zoe dr greg thank you so much for joining us and for everyone else thanks for joining us here